1: This episode is sponsored by Zengo. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.
0: Monday's top story.
1: Everyone on crypto Twitter is talking about Kim Kardashian. Jen, why is that?
2: All right. Well, everyone from TMZ to the Wall Street Journal is talking about Kim Kardashian this morning. And it's because she settled with the SEC for promoting Ethereum Max to the tune of $1.26 million. As part of the settlement, she has agreed not to promote any cryptocurrency for three years. And I think it's important to note that she did not admit or deny the allegation she has simply settled with the SEC for touting Ethereum Max. Will, i pass it down to you. I was going to do it anyways, but you put your hand up. So what do you got?
3: Yeah, I got those hot Kardashian takes. Don't you worry. I got you this morning. <laughs> Ethereum Max, you guys remember this one popping around when it did pop up? Like There was not only Kim Kardashian, but Floyd Mayweather, I think, was in on this. A few other celebrities. Pretty hilarious to see it come back. Bite you in the ass, no pun intended there. They only made $250,000 off of this, right? And yet they're fined for like $1.3 million. So not a very good return there. I also like to note that three years, right? Three years, they can't promote anything. Well, guess what happens every three years? A nice Bitcoin pump and bull market. So she'll be back. (laughs) We're all going to wait for the next pump and dump scheme from Kim K. I'm excited for it. Zach, throw it over to you.
1: I don't have any spicy takes. I don't know what to say. Ethereum Max is, I don't know, pretty, pretty lame coin out there. And uh yeah, for the long arm of the law, for old Gary to come down and, you know, do this thing. I don't know if it was entirely unexpected, but hey, it happened. I'm gonna toss it to Jen. She probably has a good take, actually.
2: <laughs> I don't know if it's a great take. But I think, you know, the SEC, right? We talk so much about the SEC and the CFTC fighting over who's gonna oversee the industry. And I really do think the SEC going after Kim Kardashian in this way is a way to get into the headlines, is a way to show that they are doing something. I think it's really interesting that, I, do, I don't know, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that the SEC has gone after the issuer of Ethereum Max. I don't think Ethereum Max has been deemed a security, but the SEC has gone after Kim Kardashian. And like I said, every media outlet, no matter what their beat is, is reporting on this this morning. Zach, before I toss it to you, I want to take a look at this clip. So the SEC released their own media, uh, a little office hours with Gary Gensler this morning as the news was breaking.
3: We might enjoy watching a celebrity playing on a basketball court, starring in a reality TV show or a movie or performing to a large crowd at a stadium show. We shouldn't confuse those skills, though, with the very different skills needed to offer appropriate investment advice. So before investing, please do your research. Thank you. what you she's, uh, she's a renaissance woman. He just downplayed her investment skills.
1: Yeah, man. That's like, you know, stick, stick to basketball. I don't know. That's some cringe
3: content there. That's all I got to say.
1: All right. I think the thing that does stand out is the SEC is going about its merry way stating that things are securities. We saw this in the Coinbase Insider Trading action. We're seeing it now with this action against Kim Kardashian. They're laying out their rationale for why these digital assets look like securities, uh, and they're doing so to justify the actions that they're taking, right? So this stuff will have to get hashed out in court, but it continues this sort of recent trend of seeing the SEC state allege claim that things that are securities like should be regulated by the U.S. Securities Regulator. And they do it in these enforcement actions against whether it's a Coinbase inside trading allegation or a Kim Kardashian undisclosed touting of said asset. So it is interesting that they continue to take that tack rather than sort of duking it out in court and getting this thing established as, as law. But maybe this is sort of the precedent setting that ultimately gets them there. I don't know. I'm no lawyer. I'm not even a half lawyer like Jensen Assey on this show. So I don't really know what they're <laughs> doing with that. But they are going out there and saying, hey, this looks like a security for these reasons and we're taking action, but I'm gonna toss it to Wendy.
0: So I think the end, like people are looking at the big headline and that it's Kim Kardashian, which fine, and I want to see healthy regulation or a healthy relationship between regulators, retail and the entire ecosystem when it comes to crypto, even traditional finance. And I think the underlying thing that a lot of people are missing is because most people just read the headlines. They don't look at the actual statements. They don't take a deeper dive. This is actually kind of a scary thing and the reason why it's scary, and I'm not here to debate whether Kib did anything wrong or not, because when you settle for something, you're not admitting that you did anything wrong or not. What you're doing is, is, is actually playing it smart, is because you're saving it money. Because a lot of times when this stuff does go to court, it takes time. It takes resources. And When it comes to the SEC, who's paying for it? Taxpayers are paying it. So we have that there. But the underlying message here is that the SEC can come in and call anything they want to a security. And that's probably a little bit scary and dangerous. And I don't know exactly how this is going to go or this is true legally. But the first thing my mind thinks is, OK, well, she accepted compensation to talk about something. What happens if you're mining something or you're staking something, you're earning that DeFi yield and you talk about something on social media? You don't necessarily have to be an influencer. But what happens if the SEC says, oh, well, you're talking about an unregistered security and you're just an average retail person. We're going to smack you with a fine. So that does make me a little bit nervous. And I think people should really take a step back and look at the actual, like what's actually happening legally instead of just looking at the big headline. And again, not here to debate whether she did right or wrong. I'm more concerned with the regulation that's going to be put into place in the long run.
3: Yeah, just to keep riffing on what you're talking about there, I think you bring up some important points. The fine was five times greater than the profit made from the investment or from the uh, touting the investment. $250,000 was the payment. So that's a huge amount of money. It's a, a large fine. And then on top of that, right, like where's Ethereum Max people involved with this? Is Ethereum Max a security? Or are they just saying that's a security because they're going to find Kim K and going to find a bunch of other celebrities? There doesn't seem to be any indictment of those people involved with Ethereum Max. We know that a lot of these tokens are probably securities, but the fact that they don't go after the people who are issuing them, but only the people who are raising them and raising awareness of them. I think speaks a little bit to the SEC's strategy. They want to go after the net. They don't really want to go after the one throwing the net out there. An odd strategy, I think they're doing it probably because it's really hard to track down everyone who's issuing a token, right? It's very easy to launch one. It's very easy to conceal yourself. Hard to track these people down. Not as hard to get in touch with Kim K. You know, it's a little bit easier to do that sort of thing. Jen, I'll throw it over to you.
2: Yeah, just final thoughts here. I think another kind of precedent setting piece of this case is they're saying that Kim should have revealed that she was paid $250,000. So that original post did use the hashtag ad and she did use that kind of statement we see across the industry. This isn't financial advice and that wasn't good enough for the SEC in this case. So Wendy, to your point, I think this is a little scary. I don't think I've seen influencers and celebrities disclose how much they're getting paid in the past. And so if that's a precedent that we're setting now moving forward for anyone who's talking about something that is a security or that is maybe a security or is not a security, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the SEC looks at this and how the advertising standards boards look at this, because this is something we haven't seen before. Tuesday's top story.
1: Sorry, Jen, I got to cut you off. You ready for this?
2: So sad. I'm ready. So wee
1: bit a wee bit of breaking news. Control is saying that Twitter stock has been halted on news that Elon Musk plans to go through with his acquisition bid of the social what? media giant, pricing those shares oh at 5420 a share. We're just glad he got 420 in there when it was all said and done. <laughs> so that's oh a bit of breaking God. news. We heard about some of his blockchain-based social media plans earlier this week. Should this deal ultimately go through? definitely going to be interesting to see what twitter's crypto embrace might end up looking like also also breaking news it's still national taco day here on the hash and we need to talk about tacos i think that we can like talk about elon musk stuff you know until the cows come home but maybe a little bit of taco talk is needed i'm going to give a few more thoughts here on the twitter thing i'm going to toss it to wendy she looks a little bit shocked but then after that, I want to save some time for tacos just to be clear. OK, Wendy, we can't let breaking news get in the way of more important things. So, Wendy, we'll talk about are your are super on important. Elon Musk news for sure.
0: I think this is great. And the reason why I'm so excited about this is because Elon Musk is a perfect example. Like I like to refer to him as the weird Uncle Elon, because I don't know, like I've always had like interesting family members. I've gone to friends houses and they've had interesting family members. And he just seems like that really awkward uncle. But at the same time, he's super smart. And if you read some of the transcripts between him and some of the other Twitter staff, it's absolutely funny. And he is totally like this guy that is just super smart, but doesn't really have a lot of social skills or like... It's just a fun thing to watch. But anyways, I'm so excited about this because I'm hoping that we can get rid of the bots. My Twitter account is like pretty much unusable at this point. The bots will block me, they'll tweet under my threads, they'll post these scamming links. I'm hoping to see a better ethos on Twitter, like a tree decentralized economy to where the left could have their opinion, the right could have their opinion, the middle could have their opinion. The people who love tacos can have their opinion and people just simply vibe. So I'm excited.
1: All right. Good stuff. All right. Well, it is indeed National Taco (laughs) Day. We still are looking. We still are looking. Somehow we still are looking. The BD people are really letting us down. We're still looking for a Taco Tuesday sponsor. So let's see.
2: Unbelievable.
1: Let's see it. Can't believe it. Let's
0: see the thing. Zengo Crypto Wallet is an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which, until now, has only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. Zengo is the most secure Web3 wallet and the best place to keep your digital currency, NFTs, and assets secure. It's also fully recoverable using the wallet's biometric recovery kit. Get started at zengo.com slash hash and use code hash to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wednesday's top story.
3: Will Foxley, take it away, sir. That's right. I'm back. You know, we got regulation news guys, this is big stuff. And unfortunately, it's on the United States, but at least we have some clarity, right? EU is proposing new legislation, sweeping legislation for crypto wallets and exchanges, basically setting standardization across the block for what cryptocurrencies should be used for, how they should be standardized, how they should be backed, do they need to be like, how do stable coins interact with public wallets, how do they interact with public markets? This is big stuff and stuff we've really wanted in the United States for quite a while. It's interesting to see the EU get there first. Of course, this has not passed yet. It's just agreed upon legislation. Every single member of the EU has to agree on this legislation before it goes into law. And that can take quite a while since there's so many sovereign nations within the EU bloc. This legislation still has to be voted on, the EU parliament. And from there, it will take a while to be enforced. So we're not looking at anything going forward until 2024. But the biggest hurdle does seem to be passed, and that is agreeing on the basic within this legislation. Zach, I can throw this one over to you. Interested to get your take on it. I think from everyone in the US, we all want some sort of clarity uh, for what crypto regulation is going to be like. And maybe we get a little bit of an inkling what lawmakers are thinking about this, at least internationally.
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been closely watched in European circles. Crypto industry certainly you know, made its voice heard and made it certain that their feedback was integrated into this process. Some early reporting by Jack Schickler, who has just been all over this story for Coindesk, suggests that you know the industry generally sees this as pretty good news, right? This is pretty drastic in terms of regulatory scope, but in terms of the details, generally the consensus seems to be this is pretty decent in terms of some clear rules of the road for how crypto firms can operate across the European Union. So a little bit of that clarity that we often talk about, uh, as being lacking in the U.S. context, which is you know strongly favored regulation by enforcement. You'll hear it time and time again from uh, the, the industry over on this side of the pond. But over with the MICA stuff, and again, this probably isn't going to go into effect until 2024, it seems like the process, by and large, has worked, right? Some of the feedback from the industry has been integrated and uh, adopted into this final language. So interesting to see this move forward. I'm not seeing a ton of chatter about this on Twitter, which probably suggests that it's not, you know, egregiously bad but i could just be looking in the wrong corners of crypto lawyer twitter so i'm curious for some additional thoughts will you seen anything out there
3: i've not seen anything but to be fair no one really cares about regulatory stuff on twitter right unless it's really bad and then you can get some fire tweets out there but the thing that does interest me is what happens with wallets right there's always this catch with politicians and regulators about what do wallets mean for crypto and how to regulate them. And a lot of industry proponents are like, no, wallets are just a place for storing crypto. It, wallets even just like a bad term. It's more of just like a holding bag for your crypto or an address, a public address. Anyone can see it. Regulators really get caught up on this and they think of it in the same way that you think of like a Charles Schwab account or your checking account with some bank. It's not really what it is. But you know, again, we get regulators get caught up on that and they want to regulate these things. They want to tie KYC identities to it. I don't know from this legislation so far if we have any inkling what this means, but it is noted in the story that they did come to an agreement about regulating wallets. I'm interested to see further reporting on that. Hopefully, it's not as onerous as the stuff we saw during the twilight era of the Trump administration where they tried to tie uh, wallets immediately to a person's identity. That would have been very bad for the crypto industry. Hopefully, that's not happening over in the EU. Jen, I'm going to throw this one over to you now.
2: Yeah, I said this on the show the last time we spoke about Micah, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see North American regulators kind of just take a peek at what's going on within the text of this document, and maybe we see them start copying some of the language that's in there and thinking along the same lines. I think what's interesting is that this isn't set to be in place until 2024, and we've seen so much happen in this industry just over the past year, right? And some of what's in here is a response to what's happened over the past year. So one of the things that are outlined in here is that stablecoin issuers have to prove that they have enough assets to back up each one of the stablecoins that are issued. And I think that we all know kind of, you know, where that language might come from, just looking at what's happened in the industry over over the past few months. The NFT part of Micah is really interesting, though. It says that so many NFTs are traded like financial products and are capable of mis-selling and market abuse. And so there are all these requirements for NFT issuers that include issuing a white paper and treating NFTs almost like fungible tokens. I wonder if this is going to drive NFT projects to really change the language and how they're marketing their NFTs, You know, really focusing on that utility or that membership NFT. And I wonder how lawmakers and regulators are going to interpret that. I think it's going to be really interesting. Wendy, what do you think?
0: So this is a good story and it's also a bad story. It's a good story is because we're going to start to get some more clarity when it comes to stable coins in regards to regulation. And I do think that stablecoin issuers should be very transparent and they should show you exactly how the stablecoin is back. So that's good. It is interesting that it did come out of the EU, but at the same time, I feel like regulators on a global scale have their hands full. They had all this time from the 2017 bull market up until this recent bull market to come up with some sort of regulation but they haven't. And now after the Terra Luna collapse, UST collapse, everybody seems to be scrambling to put something together. This might not necessarily be a good thing if it is rush, especially if the people that we have creating these laws or these bills or these regulations don't necessarily understand what cryptocurrency is or how it works. And that kind of segues back to Will's point. The bad thing is, is I do think that this is just a little tiny push for them to really require KYC for wallets. And I just want to be able to keep my privacy to some aspect, like I'll pay my taxes, I'll do what I have to do. But back to Jen's point, when you were talking about NFTs, I think that that is very, very interesting kind of integrating this news into the NFTs because NFTs are essentially tokens. That's what they are. And it's going to be really kind of hard to navigate the NFT ecosystem with laws and regulations like this, because when we look at cryptocurrency and we look at NFTs, yes, NFTs are tokens, but at the same time, they kind of serve as a different purpose. And I do feel like NFTs do have different utility when it comes to their different projects because they can be authenticating maybe land or records or artwork or whatever that may be. Thursday's top story.
3: Doquan Watch, the saga continues. According to a new report from CNBC, South Korean authorities have arrested a general affairs person over at Terraform Labs with the surname U. That's all the information we have as of right now. They can only arrest a person for 48 hours before releasing them unless they get a warrant. So I think they are in the process of getting that warrant. Of course, the note for Doquan continues, including uh, Interpol looking for him and a few other executives at Terraform Labs. This is the first arrest that we've seen from the fallout of LFG, uh, Luna and Terra back in May. So a pretty significant step up for South Korean prosecutors who are again looking to collect Doquan and the executives at Terraform Labs related to the collapse of Terra Luna. Zach, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Get your take on it.
1: Yeah, man. We were talking about this yesterday. Crypto is just one big <laughs> soap opera and we keep coming back for plot twists <laughs> such as this. It's really all I got. I mean, this thing is a very fluid situation in terms of the authorities potentially closing in on the figurehead of Terraform Labs. That is probably what the subtext of these actions would appear to be. But yeah, this is crazy. Comes as Korea freezes uh, Doe's passport. There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on here. And yeah, seems to be some continued ramifications from that big old collapse back in May. I'm going to toss this to Jen for her thoughts and then we'll, we'll get you back on the board.
2: I think it's really interesting that they made this arrest without having a warrant first. And I wonder what they're going to use those 48 hours for. I wonder if they're going to try and find out where Doquan is. I wonder if they're going to try and get more information about what was going on behind the scenes. And I wonder if we're going to see more executives get arrested. When I read this story, I thought about that viral TikTok sound, you know, the pressure is getting worse for the executives that were entangled with Doquan, And so it will be interesting to see if they're able to get any information or a warrant within the 48 hours, because there must be a reason why they weren't able to get that warrant before the arrest. I don't know, Will, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think you're right. They're probably trying to get more information out of this. To me, that my thought immediately went to, look at all these other crypto projects that are not as big or notable as Terra Luna, right? Terra Luna is just notable because so many people aped into it and so many people lost money so quickly because that stablecoin project fell apart in a spectacular fashion, but general affairs person like maybe an executive, maybe not, but it has to put a lot of crypto people on watch. The fact that governments are willing to go after anybody who's inside an organization inside a crypto firm, willing to put them in prison or jail for 48 hours and, and wait to get more information. That certainly to me sort of steers things back into like, be very cautious and be very private with your crypto life because there are considerations, right? These things are not necessarily legal or illegal yet. We're still waiting for a lot of governments to decide what they want these things to be classified as. And so when the rubber hits the road and governments are going after bad projects, you know, it might not matter that you're pretty low level with inside the firm. You might get scooped up anyways and put yourself in the backside of a truck. Christy, gonna throw it up to you, get your take on it.
2: I'm just sitting back and watching these projects kind of the chickens all coming home to roost really for centralized projects that give crypto a bad name because I, I just feel really sad that this is the face of crypto at the moment that we're getting all of these bad actors all over, not just our crypto news sites, but mainstream media as well. And that it's just giving every everything a bad name. And what I'm really hoping is that people will learn to at least investigate the Figures that are part of centralized services and centralized projects, and where those points of failure are and can be. And as opposed to looking into projects that are more generally or better managed, I don't know what else to say about this guy. Like it's just, it kind of just keeps going on and on. Jen? Christy, I saw you tweet the other day about, I think you saw something in the mainstream media that used the Bitcoin logo attached to a story similar to this. I don't think it was this. This story, but I I think that tweet really points towards, you know, the mainstream sees these stories and they think that it's all of crypto all together, including Bitcoin, which has nothing to do with this. And that is really sad. And so I'm happy that you brought that up.
3: Yeah, I I think it's a fair point to bring up that Bitcoin and really good projects out there do get blasted because of the poor choices of these other projects. And so that's where you see like the Bitcoin maximalist mantra, even the Ethereum maximalist mantra. Sort of be rolled out and for good reason, right? Like if you're related to Terraform Labs or you're related to Terra Luna, you have mud on your face. And the retail investor or the normal person out there sees this and looks at it and is like, oh, you guys are all in the same bucket. Why would I want to invest in you? And I think that's why we still have this cyclicity within crypto, right? Things will always go up very strongly and go down very strongly because everyone thinks they can make money on the way up and on the way down. Everyone's like, guys are all scammers. So until we get away from that, which I don't know if crypto ever will, but until we get away from that, I don't think we'd see these cycles disappear.
1: You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com subject line The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks
0: for listening.